0: Welcome to the Model Secrets Podcast. Today's guest is Kamla Kay. Kamla Kay is a professional agency signed model in the U.S. in Cape Town, South Africa. She has modeled for brands such as The Ritz-Carlton, Disney, Stella McCartney, David Beckham, Atlantic Bahamas, It Cosmetics, and National Home Store, to name a few.
1: Kamala Kay is also a modeling coach for all ages where she teaches aspiring models through her social media channels and private masterclass courses, how to increase their odds of getting agencies signed, avoid scams, and build a strong modeling portfolio. Her content also includes posing tips and classes for those struggling in front of the camera. Kamala Kay released her ebook, How to Become a Model, which can be purchased directly on her website, KamalaK.com. Well, welcome to Model Secrets. We're so happy that you're here, that you... That Thank you, you we all got Thank it worked me. out this time. <laughs> right, and you go by K, is that right? No, uh, no, Kamala. Kamala K is my first name. Oh, Kim Kay, that's beautiful.
2: Thank you. So where are you from? I'm originally from Jamaica, so I was born there, but I live in Miami now. Oh, cool. How long you've been living there for? Oh, most of my life. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven, so I, I'll go back. I go back and I visit, but um, Florida is my, my home. I mean, I've lived other places because of just life or modeling, but um, yeah, I've pretty much always been in Miami.
1: And where have you lived? Where else have you lived?
2: So different parts of Florida, but I've lived in South Africa, for instance, because I went there for, for modeling. So that was fun. That was amazing experience. I miss it so much. And how long were you there? And who, who were you with there? I was with Cover, Cover Management. So with Michelle, super sweet agency. Um, and I was there for three months because our visa is only 90 days. So I was literally there for 89
1: days. <laughs> right. And what clients did you work with there? Any good ones or did you just have fun? Yeah, no, no, no. I did book, um, I did book
2: work. It was mostly a lot of like commercial clients. Um, so one of the ones that it's, it's actually the one that sticks out the most in my mind, just because of the experience. I, I think I had to wake up at three in the morning. We drove out into the mountains and we literally shot on top of a mountain Um, at like five, we, we had to be there at five in the morning because we were waiting for the sun to come up and it was so dangerous because the clouds, as you may know, like with Cape town, the clouds roll in and pretty much like cover the city. But because we were higher up in the mountains, you literally like, once we got to our spot, we couldn't move because you didn't know if you stepped in a certain direction, you could literally fall off the mountain, (laughs) um, because the clouds were just like covering. So literally we had to just kind of be stationary in our spot. And then when the clouds moved, then we had a few minutes to shoot. But it was a great, uh, it was a great, a great project. It was for visit, visit um, South Africa. They were just promoting for people to come there. So it was great, great job.
1: But yes, I, I did mostly like commercial type stuff. So how did you, so how did you get started in the modeling business? Cause I know you're older model, right? Is that right? Yeah, so I, um, so pretty much I was working full time,
2: um, was working in advertising and marketing. And I always knew that I wanted to be a model. When I was younger, my parents, they tried to get me into modeling, but we actually got scammed. (laughs) Happens to a lot of people. So then fast forward and I decide that like, hey, before I get much older, (laughs) um, I want to start pursuing my modeling. So I've been modeling now for 10 years. Um, and so I pretty much, I was living, um, about two hours North of where I am now, but it wasn't really a market that I could do much of anything. So I moved down closer to Miami that way I could start. Um, and I got signed here and then I've just been doing like print work and commercials. So I've gotten to work with, um, like the Ritz Carlton. I did a shoot with David Beckham, um, did a project with Stella McCartney, I've shot like 25 TV commercials for Ashley Home Store, if you're familiar with them. Yes. Of um, course. Yeah. So that was them actually one year was like the most money I made from one client. Cause they literally just kept booking me over and over and over again. And it's a commercial. So it's just more yeah, pay. It's like, um, it's like every model. Yeah, so, <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, gotten, gotten to work with some of those types of clients. I work with like Disney. So yeah, that, that spectrum. Wow.
1: That is great. And what agency are you with in Miami?
2: So I am with, I used to, I used to be with a bigger agency. I won't say their name, but I didn't really feel like they, that I was having good experience with them. So I started focusing on my boutique agency, some with talent direct and stellar, and they get me most of my work here. And then I have agencies in Tampa, which is about four hours North of here. So I actually have to drive there a lot. Um, I have a lot of bookings that I do there. And then I have Hefner in Seattle I have Locke in North Carolina. So it's just kind of a range. Um, but I've just, although I'm not adverse to having a bigger agency and I tell models this all the time, like it's great. Sometimes they have bigger brands, bigger clients that they work with, but it doesn't mean that you're going to work with them just because they're with a bigger agency. And my smaller agencies keep me way busier than my bigger agency ever did. Right. So I'm, I'm still looking into, um, you know, getting an agency like in New York. And in that sense, I would want a bigger agency in the sense of the, the clienteles that they have, but totally an advocate for being with a smaller boutique as well.
1: Great. I totally agree. So I have some of my models are with big agencies and some are with smaller agencies. And I think it just depends on the model. I mean, it really does. It has a uh, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I want to be with the big top names. Well, that's all that's fine and dandy, but it doesn't always work that way. And you, and you can be with a smaller agency. Like I just have one of my girls up for Estee Lauder, um, you know, and she's just the smaller agency. I had another one book NARS. I mean, you know, you can still have with a smaller agency, you can still book big time.
0: Exactly. And speaking of New York, I feel like what you said that actually in New York, even if you're with a boutique agency, they actually send you to the same castings as big agencies do. It doesn't even matter. And the thing is like, yeah, if you're with a big agency, maybe you get lucky or you're just going to get lost on their board because they're going to be pushing the the girls that are more More established. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times I find too is sometimes with bigger agencies that... um, if you are not right in their face, sometimes they do forget about you. Um, And that happens, you know, and, and and they do have favorites. They do have the superstars. (laughs) They all do.
2: (laughs) do. (laughs) I mean, even at one of my boutique agencies, like I'm one of the favorites. So I get it. Right. But it's because I'm booking them. I'm booking a lot of jobs. So it makes sense. But at the same time, I feel like they're, eventually needs to be a balance, right? Because there are these amazing models that you're signing because you saw some sort of potential in them, but if you never give them the chance, how are they going to become one of the ones that then get to the top, you know?
1: Right, right. No, I totally agree. And I do, I do agree too. one of the things that I kind of am pushing for my models is to always sort of like, oh, hey, you know, um, hey, anything going on, you know, what can I do to make myself you know more visible or better or what can you know so that helps too if if you always remind them hello I'm here
0: (laughs) yeah and not being afraid to ask questions that's another one because I feel like especially when you're the beginner sometimes like you get a email with the job description and you're like okay like I don't understand what that means and it happened like it happened to me when I got it and I was like okay I don't even know like what I'll be doing there like should I bring something or not? And I feel like it's so important to actually email back and ask your agency questions instead of saying, oh yeah, I'm all set, all set for tomorrow. And then like, you have no idea what, what are you doing? Right.
1: And too, you want to know all the, um, all the business side too, like how much you're getting, you know, where is it being used? You know, I mean, you want to know all that stuff too. That's just part of it. And a lot of, a lot of models don't know that.
2: Right. And, and that's the thing, too, that I found when I was signed to bigger was it's just like, hey, are you available for this job? And it and there's no details, which I do have to say. And, and granted, it, it, it'll vary, I guess, based on every agency. But personally speaking with my boutiques, one thing I do appreciate is usually for the most part, I would say 90 percent of the time when we do get an email that says, hey, you're being submitted for this job. It's going to say the dates. It's going to say the usage like, you know, exactly if it's going to be TV, print, just Internet. And I feel like I have more of that luxury of knowing that information without having to ask with my boutiques than I did being with a bigger agency because the bigger agency I feel like has had the attitude, at least in my experience, had the attitude of you should just be grateful that, you know, you're getting an opportunity versus do you want to take this opportunity,
1: you know? Right, right. And there's a lot of small agencies now that are really, really, really good. I mean, it's true, but you have to be careful. And I want to go back to what you said that you got scammed? Because one of the things that I've, I've noticed a lot, a lot, a lot with models is they, you know, they come to me after they've already got scammed. And it's like, I kind of wanted to like tell the new models, like, how do you not get scammed in the beginning? So can you just go, just go through that a little bit with us?
2: So I actually talk a lot about that on my Instagram page. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that on my Instagram and on my TikTok because when, when I was younger and my parents were starting out, they had no clue about the modeling industry. I mean, they knew no one to ask, nothing, right? So I get in that sense, they thought they were doing the right thing. And actually, they did go to a quote-unquote reputable agency, but it was one of those things where the agency was saying, this is the photographer you have to shoot with, which we didn't know at the time that you should be able to. pick and choose right versus they're getting a benefit to saying you have to shoot with this person and for the amount of money that we paid we didn't get the results back in terms of the amount of um, images edits all of that stuff which now i know the difference right so like i'm always telling models one of the things even i do now myself Let's say hypothetically that there's an agency that I want to work with in New York. Even if I think or in my brain, I know quote unquote, that's a reputable agency. I will always go to that agency's Instagram and I will find literally five to 10 models who are tagged in those agency pictures. And the reason for that is just because a model is, you may be scrolling for a few minutes and you see a model on their page, doesn't mean that that model is even still represented by that agency. That could be an old photo, right? And so I will usually then reach out to the model. And you always want to make sure that you're being super professional, respectful, letting them know that whatever you all discussed is confidential. And then I just ask them, Hey, I am considering reaching out to XYZ agency. I know that every model has a different experience, but if you wouldn't mind sharing what your experience was like, how did you work with your bookers? Do you feel it was respectful? Like all of those things, right? Because you want to make sure that you're making a well-informed decision versus just going on an agency name. And the reason for that is, let's just say in January, you, you, um, you're thinking of, of working with agency A. And those models may think like, "Oh, my bookers are amazing. This is a great agency." But you don't submit to that agency till March. Well, maybe in March the agency has a whole new set of bookers, a whole new set of agents, and now the models, and now the models don't like any of those people. So right before you submit, you need to be asking those questions versus relying on information that you gathered six months ago, because things in this industry change completely. Um, so that's what I would say in terms of photo- uh, in terms of agencies, photographers. Same thing, especially. if you're going to, if you're a woman and you're going to be going and shooting with a male photographer, ask other models that you see that shot with that photographer. Did you feel safe on set with that photographer? Did you get the images that were promised? How long did the photographer take to get your images? All of those things are so important just to make sure, again, you're making a well-informed decision that you don't get scammed.
1: I love that. I think that's great advice.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's great information because I like that you mentioned about the pictures because it never happened to me, but it happened to a few of my friends when they never got the pictures back. Maybe everything was fine. Very, you know, the photographer was very nice, professional, but, but by the end of the day, they never gotten the pictures back.
2: Right, right. And then an- another thing also um, that that I mentioned before in terms of like the model. So for instance, you may go on an agency page and it'll say, oh, Camla just booked um, Maybelline, right? And you're thinking, and you're going through all of these model images, and you're seeing all of these accolades of what the models have booked. Well, a lot of times people think that specific agency booked the model on that job. And they're like, wow, the agency has all of these great clients. Well, sometimes that's not a job that the that, that agency got the model. Maybe they're just promoting it because that model is signed with them. And that model happened to have gotten that job for another agency. So there's this misperception of all of the clients that that specific cli- um, agency has when really that's not the case. That's just a model they happen to represent
1: that got the job through someone else. So all of those questions are important. <laughs> so so, so Katya like worked for South Moon Under and then I reposted, oh, congratulations. She got South Moon Under and like, you know, so I do do that, but you're right. Yeah, but I always say, but I don't, yeah, I always put the agency that you...
0: But also, like, I don't know, like, I have mixed feelings about it, because I heard different opinions, right? Uh, For example, in that case, right, you are my mother agent, and you rep- reposted the photos, and I feel that's fine, right? But it happened when an agency using uh the pictures that another agency booked the model for, and that's where I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do because I heard it from the agent's perspective. So if another agency booked Maybelline and then another agency and using it for their own advantage, right? So taking credit. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. But I'm your mother agent, so I can't. Yes, because I'm always so proud when my models get things, I have to repost them. That's basically what my whole Instagram is, just reposting everybody that's working. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, what about your followers? It looks like you have a lot of followers on Instagram. I don't know about TikTok because I'm not on it, but tell us about your followers.
2: So I've been on TikTok, not, what, not when it first started. A friend of mine actually kept encouraging me, get on TikTok. It's going to be the next big, biggest thing. And I'm like, I do not want to manage one more platform. So eventually I did get there. Um, but I think it started because originally I was posting mainly photos from my modeling shoots, photos from my portfolio shoots. And of course people, it was at the time, now it's all focused on video, right? But at the time it was really focused on like a curated aesthetic theme. And I was one of those people, I had a an app that organized my photos so that the colors were all balanced and all of that stuff. So I definitely was one of those people at the time when it made sense. That's what Instagram wanted. Right. Um, So it definitely it took me several years to to gain that many followers. But what I realized now, all of these years later is I actually sometimes go through my followers and I delete people because let's face it, there's people that followed me. Well, in this sense, right, because your page is about your engagement, right? It's a, it's about building an authentic audience. And there's people that are following that they're not active on Instagram anymore. They haven't posted on Instagram in two years. And so when it comes to Instagram and how the algorithm works is those people drive down your engagement because it's a percentage, right? It's a percentage of the amount of people who interact with you against your followers. So the reason why that's important is someone like myself who does influencer work, content creator work, the engagement number matters to a brand. So I currently do sponsored posts. Brands pay me to talk about their products that I use or that I like, what have you on my page. And so the engagement numbers matter. So to me, it's more important to have less of a following, but higher engagement. And because brands prefer that, right? So the numbers don't necessarily mean anything if those people aren't engaging. Also, sometimes you'll notice if you just click, simply click on your followers list, you'll start to realize that there are a lot of pages that don't even have a profile picture. Some of those pages are bots. Again, some of those people are people that used to be active, but they aren't anymore. So I will go through and delete those because if we're not engaging, what's the point of, of being on the page when it affects my actual bottom line of finances when it comes to working with
0: brands. So that's why I do that.
1: Wow. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Katya, do you do that?
0: I used to do it sometimes because another thing that happens and it drives me crazy. It's so annoying. It happens. I think it happens on both Instagram and TikTok. So if your video goes viral, you're probably going to get a lot of bots following you because who are they following? They're following people that make viral videos and celebrities. And even if you're not buying followers yourself, they still I mean fake followers, they still follow you. So I mean it was a moment like I was doing it, but it's very time consuming to do it like manually. But yeah, it's it's bad for your engagement. And I also work with brands and as you said, and I mean you gotta have good engagement. It's more important, important than how many followers you have. Hundred hmm. percent.
1: That's so interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> I don't know that much about it.
2: Yes. And and the good thing is, you know, when, when Instagram first started and so, even some years ago, there were a lot of people that were buying followers, even celebrities were buying followers so that they could look even more relevant but here's the thing. Here's the caveat. You can actually go on a website. There are various websites that you can go on and you can type in someone's handle and it will let you know if their followers are real or fake. So I'm so thankful that you know brands do this because they want to check if there's Pay, paying me a thousand dollars to promote their product, They want to make sure that these are, this is potentially going to be seen by real eyes, right? So that's one of the things that I always put, like when I put, when I create a, my media kit to send out to brands who want to work with me, one of the things that I have on there is authentic, real followers, because although they may check, I just like to point it out because it's something they could easily verify, but there are so many pages that have, yes, hundred thousand followers, but a lot of those were purchased followers.
1: And that doesn't help the brand in the long run. That is so interesting. So you just said that, so you make, and Katya, you can add into this too, but uh, you know, know I don't know anything about this, but the branding part. um, So you make media kits and you send it out to companies? Yeah. So, yes. So for instance, let's say
2: that it's a brand that I really want to work with. I may send them a message on Instagram and say, Hey, love your brand. I'll share specific reasons of why I like their brand. If it's something that I already use. And then I'll ask them for the email address of the person that handles their social media partnership. So then I can follow up via email and then I can attach my media kit so that they can, so the media kit basically has all the stats of your page. It's really important for brands to know what's the percentage of like women to men that are following you. So for instance, let's say that it's, um, it's a, it's a, I don't know, some like a, like a a feminine hygiene product, right? That's majority going to be used by women. They don't want an audience that's 90% men right? So it has to correlate. So all of that type of information goes in your media kit. Um, and then also where your followers are located. So for instance, are most of your followers in the United States or are most of your followers in Europe? Because it's, if it's a US-based brand, or they're trying to attract this audience, again, they're not going to want to partner with you because it doesn't make sense. So all of that goes into my media kit, or sometimes brands will reach out to me directly. And it's really big now, uh, especially with influencers that aren't as as aware of how the industry works, a lot of brands will reach out and say, Hey, we'd love to work with you and gift you free product. Can you promote it on your page? And, and someone like myself, that's been doing this for a while, free product doesn't pay our bills or for for anyone. Right. So at times I may accept at times I may accept the free product because it's something I really wanted anyways, or it's a really good value. But for the most part, I'll respond back politely. And I'll say, would absolutely love working with your brand. These are the reasons why I can't do this promotion for free. A lot of my time, energy, all of these things. I'm a professional model. My agencies, um, you know, expect for me to be paid if my face is being used. And then I'll say, "This is my media kit," so you can learn a little bit b- more about me. And then I can ask them, "Do you think that you can have a potential budget for instance?" So that's how I've gotten
0: a lot of my my paid partnerships. I don't know, Katya, if you want to jump in. I would just add to that about accepting gifted products so i would say that there is a difference and i mean for i'm sure you know that you can get a pr package from a brand so that means that you are not obligated to post so the brand just sends you their new product and usually why the brands do that they would send different you know let's say they launch a new product so they would send it to a bunch of influencers in hopes that they're gonna post and talk about it but it's not like you have specific deliverables so that you have to post so in that case it's okay to accept it but if the brand reaches to you saying like oh we want to send you free product and can you make one tiktok three instagram stories uh, a reel because <laughs> sometimes it gets ridiculous they ask you for so much and pretty much like you're not getting anything because let's say you're getting a product let's also remind you know i guess our audience that Whatever the product costs, it doesn't cost to the brand uh, that much, right? So if it's usually in retail, like they mark up, I think, 2.5 or maybe even three. So even if the dress maybe costs like $500, in reality, it's only like 150 200 And so basically, if they're asking you to create so much content, so that's your worth. So that's really up to you. But I mean, I think it's, it's probably okay to do at the beginning because I also have done it when I had no experience and it was good to also get a hint of it, you know, what it takes to create content, how to work with brands. I've done some some gifted collaborations, but now I only do, I mean, I accept PR packages and then do paid partnerships. And I think that reason, another reason why I'm now looking back, even though I accepted gifted collaborations, I, I don't think it's the right thing to do because what happens, like there are certain brands that you know like they realize that they can always find someone who is going to work for free so they don't want to pay influencers and it's killing the market so i think you know being a part of this uh industry now i realize that that yours you need to be paid for the work you're doing because i'm sure Kamla can relate i mean it takes so much time and effort it's It's not what people think when people say, oh, you just, you know, just take a photo. It's like, no. I mean, you have to think of ideas. Yeah, you have to, uh, sometimes you have to purchase things or maybe rent a studio. So there are a lot of time and a lot of planning that goes into creating content.
1: So the other question I wanted to ask was, At any point, do you do it through an agency or you do all this yourself?
2: So I can say for myself, I actually have two social media management companies that I work with in the sense that I don't have a contract with them sometimes you have a contract with them sometimes you don't have to so the two that I have there is no contractual obligation for them to find me work or for me to do anything for them so what happens is they have me essentially like on their roster of influencers and then they will pitch me to brands or brands reach out and say hey we have this product who do you have that may fit this particular look kind of like being a model and then they reach will reach out to me so Literally, I have um, a partnership that I'm that I'm posting this week. One that I did last week, and that was all through my content creation company. And so they only get paid when I get paid, just like modeling, they take a a 10% percentage. Um, and then sometimes I, I do it on my own. So I have a partnership with a client. I have to create content for them this weekend. That was literally me reaching out to them on Instagram. They, they mailed me the product and I'm going to be creating content for them. So that I did completely on my own. So I feel like it's always been a mixture.
1: Yeah, and I was saying that, you know, I just had a client recently, a couple, well, it was actually a couple months ago, that actually wanted both. So they wanted both of the social media and they wanted both of the print and videos. So for their own um, social media, but they wanted the girls to also post on their social media. It was a modeling book, right?
0: So modeling. Yeah, but it
1: was both, but it was a combination of both, which I found really interesting. It's not always what happens. They wanted, you know, like they wanted to, the model to also post on their Instagram or TikTok and TikTok. um, Right. Like, you know, three times a time, you know, three times during the week or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. the launch Mm -hmm. that they were, so I just think it's interesting because some agencies are involved and some agencies aren't involved. And I would guess for one of the reasons why I think agencies are good to have is because, you know, you always get paid. So do you have do you ask them ahead of time? OK, um, you know, you need to pay me ahead of time. I mean, do you, do you do they pay in advance?
2: So I would say, so it, it really depends on the deliverable. So say for instance, you are working with this partnership and maybe it's a holiday campaign and the, and the client reaches out to you in August because that's what a lot of brands do. They, they, they work their holiday campaigns well in advance, as you know. So let's say that they don't want this posted till December. Well, that's several months after you've created content for you to not get paid. So it's perfectly acceptable to ask brands and say, hey, if you're not gonna be posting this content or if I'm not gonna be posting this content for three months, and my contract typically states that I get paid after the content is posted, then in that case, because it's such vast time between me investing my time and you actually wanting to pay me, then at least 50% needs to be paid up front. And then the other 50%, or I know content creators who they ask for 100% upfront payment if it's not going to be posted well, um, uh, well down the road. However, typically when I do partnerships, the client is expecting for the content to go live within 10 to 15 days after I receive the product. So in that sense, the contract, I always do net 30. So for our audience listening with modeling agency contracts, a lot of times our payment is net 60 to 90 days after we do the job. But with social media, I always tell the clients that I work with that they have to pay me net 30 and we always have a contract. So everything is legally binding before I do that work. They sign the contract, I sign the contract, um, reading all the fine print. And my husband happens to be an attorney. So sometimes I'll have him help me read the contracts to just make sure. But uh, I think from myself, my background, I have a master's degree in business administration. So that has played really well in understanding the business side of things. So I definitely make sure that we have contracts in place. That
1: is so interesting. <laughs> oh my God. But that's so much work. That is a lot of work.
0: It is. And that's the thing about being an influencer. You're wearing so many hats. And if you don't have an agency, you're literally handling everything. You're creating content yourself. You're doing negotiation and negotiating, right? I mean, you have to look through the contracts. And make sure everything is right because sometimes agents, uh, not agents, and brands can put, I mean, some things you wouldn't like to be in your contract. For example, I heard, I've never had that experience, but I've heard from other influencers when the agencies put something like, let's say they didn't like the content you created. So you have to recreate it again. So you have to spend, you know, more time to create content. So you don't want to have anything like that in your contract or you charge more. Or, you know, something like performance-based. Let's say if your video or a photo didn't get a certain amount of views, they want you to do another one. So you always want to look out for those things in your contract. I personally, like, I don't have an agency right now. I'm a part of a few influencer platforms or, like, agencies that, as you said, that you don't have a contract with. But I know, like, bigger influencers, they're actually a part of bigger influencer agencies where the agency is handling everything. And so you can focus more on your content.
1: And I think that a lot of the agencies, let's say in LA and, and New York would be more into that, that they would be more of an influencer. I know one agency very well, that that's really all he does. And he moved back to, he was not living in New York and he moved back to LA just to do that. So he only deals with influencers pretty much.
0: But look, there are actually different agencies, so there are not many modeling agencies that also represent influencers. They do now, but in a different sense, because the influencer agencies I was talking about, they're they're only doing influencers. And they can be located anywhere. They don't have to be in New York or LA. They can work remotely.
2: Exactly. And I know like for myself with the two influencer agencies I work with, the ones I don't have contracts with, they are the ones directly speaking to the client. I never speak to the client when they're the ones involved. So they will reach out to me. They'll tell me what the rate is. They'll negotiate the contract. And then obviously it's still up to me to just make sure that I agree with the contract, but they arrange all of that. The only time where I'm in charge of pretty much going from A to Z is when I contact a brand directly or if a brand contacts me directly.
1: Right. So to me, it sounds like, I mean, for me, it's all interesting and, 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 but it does sound like anyone can be a model or an influencer. I mean, is that, am I correct in that? That's the space that we're moving towards, but I also
2: like to be careful of like the word model because, for instance, when someone like Katya and I go on set, the photographer, we, we pretty much understand what their vision is or we see a mood board, we know how to move on camera, we know the business etiquette, we know how to be on set. However, what I have found sometimes when I've been on sets, and of course it's not with every situation, but a lot of times I've found that the influencers or the people who are now they their models from, from creating content on, on Instagram, they come to sets and their nails are super long. They don't understand that you can't be taking all of these behind the scenes photos. The photographer takes a lot longer to shoot them because they don't know how to pose as well. There's all of these things. So I feel like we, Everyone is using the word model now, but I'm not necessarily in agreement of that term in the sense of how it used to be. Granted, yes, we can use the word model, but I think there is a difference in the type of model that, that, we're, that we're talking about when we say that word.
1: Yes. No, you're, thank you for clearing that up. You're totally right. I think content creator is the right word for those. All right. So, And you also do one-on-one coaching? Correct. So for
2: people that want to better understand either how to get into modeling, I, I really walk them through the process of how to avoid the scams because that was what I experienced, right? Like what to look for. I walk them through what are all the questions to ask photographers before you set up a shoot? Like when you reach out to photographers, asking them for their test rate, asking them how many edited images you get back? Like all of these things, right? Because there's some models that they'll DM me a photo wanting me to critique something and it has the photographer's watermark on it. But when you're a professional model, you know that if you do a test shoot with a photographer that is well versed in, in representing models, they're not gonna send you edited images back with a watermark, right? Like all of those things. And so for people who really just, either want to get themselves into the industry or want to get their kids into the industry, I will educate them in that sense. And then completely opposite, but still within the same realm is I'm a posing coach. So a lot of times I'll have clients who say like, you know, I'm a little bit comfortable on camera, but I feel like I get stuck after two poses. Help me understand the posing techniques to get better in that sense. So I've had models that are already agency signed that sign up for my posing classes. And then I have people who are completely camera shy who sign up as well. So it's a it's a combination of both and I feel like they work well together just based on my background.
1: Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I think that's really good. And so tell us a little bit about like your eating habits, your exercising, like what is something that you do like every day? What's important to you?
2: So it's actually, I'm on a little journey right now because I have something called gastritis, which is like the the stomach lining thinning out, right? Um, And I think it was just, it was caused by stress and trauma and all of this stuff. And so like literally right now next to me is organic coconut yogurt because dairy uh, doesn't, dairy is not the greatest for my body, for someone like with my body and my condition. Um, So I just generally say I eat healthy. I don't necessarily limit myself and say, Oh, I can't have this because of calories. I never worry about calories because I'm just fortunate enough from a metabolism standpoint, but I've always been a fairly healthy eater. I mean, I remember growing up, I used to be so upset because everybody else at school would have lunchables and would have chips. And my parents were like, you're going to have yogurt and you're going to have a fruit, like, <laughs> you know, with a sandwich. So I was never raised on junk food. I, we never had all the cool cereal breakfast cereals that everybody, every other kid had. Um, so in some senses, I would I would have that a little bit as I got older. But I did stick to just the idea of a healthy lifestyle. And that was even before I became a model. It was just always really important to me to just take care of my body and like honor the body God gave me. And um, I work out, but again, I work out because I want to be healthy because I want my heart to be good. Not because I'm so much worried about my body, if that makes sense,
1: or or my physical body, my outer body. (laughs) I love it. Yes, I get that completely. So if you had another, I guess, idea of what you would want to do besides modeling, what would that look like? Would it be business? Cause I heard you say you have a business degree.
2: Yeah. So I still absolutely love the marketing and advertising space. So before I, before I was working, before I became a model or before I really started focusing on modeling, I was working full-time for an advertising agency. So I was the one, my role was considered an account executive. So my job was to Meet with the graphic artist. meet with with the copywriter, meet with the production team and create the entire vision for the brand, obviously, like with the brand's input. So for myself, I feel like with modeling and with advertising, they all kind of play well into each other, because, for instance, when I'm on sets and the client is talking about what their vision is or why they're doing things a certain way for the campaign. I feel like my brain understands that not just from the model, but from the business side, because I was that client at one point. So I feel like that really works well for me, understanding the client's vision a lot quicker sometimes than it may for other people, um, at times, of course. And so I think I would probably still go back somewhat into the marketing advertising space, do some sort of consulting in that way. And, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I also like to write, it just depends. I, I wrote a 90 page ebook called how to become a model. So that, that ebook is on my website, Kamala So again, that was written because I realized that models had no clue what they were doing. And I sat down and actually I wrote part of that book while I was in Cape town. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just a combination of things, but I think it would still be in the creative space somewhere.
1: So, if you could give any advice to a brand new model, of course they should read your ebook.
2: <laughs> just give
1: us a little clue of what that would uh, be like for. I mean we've covered it a lot of times on, right. on our podcast, but just you know, maybe just your advice in that.
2: Right, so I would say set realistic expectations because I think that there is this misconception. As we mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, I'm gonna, oh, my goal is to get signed to a modeling agency so I can start booking these booking these huge campaigns. And quite honestly, even if you start booking these huge campaigns with brand with agencies, sometimes it'll take three to five months to just get going because you have to get a new portfolio, all of these things. So set realistic expectations of how soon your your career may take off, but also set realistic expectations of your looks because at the end of the day, modeling as much as some brands are becoming a lot more inclusive and being accepting of different body types and shapes and all of this stuff for a large part of the market, it still is a certain kind of face or that they're looking for. So sometimes I'll see models and They're saying things like, oh, I've submitted to all these agencies I haven't heard back. And yet every single agency that they're submitting to is like IMG, Ford, and Wilhelmina. And and it's not to say that they can't be a model, but honestly, you should be submitting to like a talent agency that works more with like the everyday type of faces. And it's not to say your face isn't great, but it's not what those bigger agencies are looking for. So I think just being honest with ourselves and realizing that sometimes we're limiting our own potential because we're going left when we really should be going right within the industry. And then the final thing that I'll say, or the third thing is making sure that, especially if you're someone that's starting out and you're really young is just being really mindful of the self-esteem aspect because there's so much rejection that comes in the industry. And I remember when I first moved to Miami and I, and I started going on, um, callbacks or not callbacks on open calls with agencies I'd even signed with a boutique agency before I even moved here. Cause I wanted to start that ball rolling before I got here. But then I was thinking, Oh, let me get signed with a bigger agency. And I remember going sometimes and just not getting the response I wanted. And I'd go in my car and I'd cry. And I would think, Oh my gosh, like I don't have what it takes. Right. And then I eventually got to the point where I thought, okay, well, it's not the right fit for me. I'd rather the agency be honest than me get signed and never book any jobs with them. So I had to learn that aspect of the self-esteem and the self-love and just getting through all that. So having a really good support system. But I think if you set the realistic expectations ahead of time, it'll really help when the rejection comes.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I love that I think I saw on your Instagram the other day was That you said, when when applying to an agency, please don't say you want to be a model. (laughs) We already
2: know that.
1: (laughs) Right. But it happens all the time. People will literally
2: send me the paragraph of what they're going to send to the agency. And it's like, I've always dreamed of being a model. It's like the first line.
0: (laughs) And the agency is probably, delete.
1: (laughs) Well, I get it like 10 times a day. I've always dreamed about being a model since I was little. Okay. Now what? And then I always send back, it's like, okay, well, can you tell me something about yourself? Tell me something of your interests. And I love that you put like, you know, your sports that you like or that you're an artist or, you know, and, and a lot of times now the agencies will ask for videos and that personal video is so important that you put like, you know, personality, like, <laughs> personality, you show that personality. What do you like to do? I always dreamed about being a model.
2: Right. Exactly. Nobody cares. We have that already. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So that's my goal. Like even you saw that video, right? It's just, I put that out that content, which a lot of times people don't realize how much work goes into just creating those. Even if it's a 10 second video, it's still a lot of work to come up with the thought, to come up with the video, to edit it. And so my hope is just that the right people will find it and that it'll at least prevent someone else from making the mistakes or at least get them further along in their career a little bit faster than, than how it took me. Because when I started, I, I literally didn't have anyone to ask. And then I would reach out to models to ask for advice and they would respond back with like two sentences, which can't really change the trajectory of your career too much.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think there's a lot more definitely out there about modeling and how to get started and, and what to do and what not to do. And I mean, if anybody wants to get started in the business, I mean, you just go online and you really can find about anything on there. You know, I think, I think it's pretty clear.
0: Yeah. There are definitely more models now that are willing to share and share on TikTok, on Instagram. Yeah. But when you got started, but when I got
1: started, <laughs> I got, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook it was definitely harder, definitely harder.
2: And I find, you know, I find sometimes with the the clients that hire me one-on-one, it's like, I tell them, Hey, I have a blog, I have a YouTube, I have an Instagram and I have a TikTok. The information's out there, but honestly, a lot of times people, they don't want to take the time to go through and watch individual videos and watch individual blogs. So then they just come to me so that I can tell them everything all in one sitting. And I always tailor everything to each client. So I'm not going to tell like a blonde hair, blue eyed model, the same thing that I'm going to tell a black model in terms of how the industry works. Cause it's very different from us, from a, from a race and cultural standpoint. Right. So like all those things I tailor. And I think that's why sometimes people don't necessarily take the time to do the research on their own because they just don't want to piecemeal things together.
1: Right. And one of the things too, I I just, you know, as we're talking about this is just because you get signed and you said, you basically said this too, is just because you get signed, doesn't mean you're going to work. I mean, everybody's like, I want to be signed. I want to be signed. It's like, okay, well, I've signed a few girls and guess what? They never worked. And everything, like you just said, all the agents changed and they, the whole agency changed. And so they're like dropping people left and right. So it doesn't really even matter if you get you know, get signed. It's all about, you know, the agents and and what they feel about you and your relationship and how how good that is. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just getting signed by an agency.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So so where can people find you?
2: Um, so the easiest way is camilla dot com, which I'm sure my name will be spelled out on this podcast somewhere in your description. But pretty much just if you don't know how to spell Kamla K, it will be written under this video somewhere. But my website, CamlaKay.com, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all platforms is just Camla K. And on my website is where you can find information about like, my one-on-one coaching and all of that stuff as well.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for asking me. This was fun, very natural, organic conversation. Nice. That's what yeah. we like.
0: We like to keep it like, <laughs> you know. And I feel like that's what, why our audience love it because it's yeah. more like talking to a friend rather than exactly. you know, making it like super like official.
1: Yeah, so we're so grateful that you're on air and, and that you talk so much and that you have so much information. <laughs> I mean, actually, I think we could keep talking. We could do a part two on this one exactly
2: sometimes I have to remind myself okay tone it down tone it down because I just get so excited and I get passionate about it right so
0: no it's actually perfect because it's when we have guests it's about you rather than us and especially sometimes like when just Kim and I doing it we feel that we kind of repeating ourselves in a way you know and it's always great to have someone especially if you talk if someone can talk so it's it's the best (laughs)
1: yeah we've had people who couldn't talk and we're like okay make your job easier <laughs>
0: exactly uh, so
1: thank you so much that was awesome thank you for listening to model secrets podcast if you enjoyed today's episode make sure you leave us a review and don't forget to share this episode with your friends
0: on social media for more information about model secrets our guests and to book a coaching session with us visit modelsecrets.online